But yeah, so that's the eighth dimension. That's why it's the eighth dimension. Okay. That's good that you found it out. That's good. Good, Abby. Good. And welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Frida. I'm Abby. And this week's movie is The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. (laughs) I've never been geeking out so hard about something, but I know. But we've got to take our little moment first where we, you know, because like we said uh, to those in the live, we we say this on the podcast every time. um, We are two full time working physicists and we just do this for, you know, shits and giggles. So... uh, (laughs) What uh, what's your what what's happening, Frida? What's your science? Do you have any news? Life news? Yeah. Scientist news. Oh damn. Well, cool. I have news. I had I, I'm having like super a bit of anxiety today because I have a I have a thing that makes me extremely anxious, a very particular thing, and that's with social engagements when people um change plans on me last minute and um that it just throws me for like a day yeah. and last night. And so today I was like, people aren't safe today. I'm staying inside without people because they're not safe. I don't want to make unknown plans. I'm not even going to risk a plan. I No, no. Sorry. And so I just. I, <laughs> I feel you. I totally feel you on that. Thank I cannot you. stand. I hate last minute changes to plans and I hate last minute plans. I, I that, don't get me wrong. I don't mind spontaneity. I don't mind waking up on a Sunday and going, do you know what? Do you want to go out for lunch? Yeah, let's go out for lunch. Like, that's fine with me. But like rigid kind of like plans with other people. Mm. <laughs> Last minute. Because yeah, I make I'm a watch. Not, I decided to make a soup club. I have a soup movie soup club. Whenever there's a movie, I have oh, to yeah. watch the podcast. I say I'm making this movie and there'll be this soup. And it was really brave of me to do that because it's going to trigger every bit of my social anxiety of making a plan and having like a bit of soup and being like, okay, I'm ready with soup. Four people were supposed to come. Okay, I guess it's one person. I guess it's me and Harry. Harry, my friend Harry, he always turns up when we make a plan. He is such a legend. When he says he's going to come, he always fucking comes. And I appreciate so much love for you, Harry. It was just me and Harry. It was a lot of pumpkin soup. And <laughs> I'm still recovering. I really, really enjoy soup. <laughs> it's just like, not I'm like so... not like dinner in a movie. Not like just just movie snacks. Not not like any other vibe. But soup, very specifically, soup and a movie. Like there's there's well, a logic to this that's um not 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 like Frida. Maybe this is why people are coming. <laughs> well. The reason why it's soup is because I can always have it the next day, even if nobody comes. That's I don't lose by making people soup. I win either way. I win if people come and have soup. I win if they don't come because then I get more soup and then I can freeze. I know I'm so weird. Anyway, listen to my great, listen to my amazing oh, news, Abby. Yeah. 
I was invited, I told you this ages ago, to fly to another state in this country to this meeting of all the heads of all the stroke units around Australia. Mm. It's pretty, like, fancy. Like, you know, it's a little club of everyone that runs stroke units in every hospital. They get together annually and discuss what's going on and, you know, important issues. And I was invited kind of like as the entertainment, like to do an AI debate against one of the neurologists against will they be replaced by AI? Right. And I voted that they won't be replaced by AI. And that was my position. And I, I mean, I wrote this joke. I wrote, I came in with these two jokes. I really like wrote jokes. <laughs> and I was like, if I, la- if I can just land this first joke, like I think it's going to land. The first, actually the first, first joke was I got chat GPT to write my bio and I gave it a few yeah. prompts, which basically said everything, all my degrees and like my hobbies, plus the fact that I'm held captive at my workplace. <laughs> and it wrote this a hundred page bio, which was like, Frida's the most brilliant person to ever walk the planet. <laughs> and the, the audience is like, okay, where's this going? And I'm sitting there absolutely straight face. And then it said, due to unforeseen circumstances, she's being held captive at my workplace, (laughs) which demonstrates enormous resilience. And then that went down really well. And then the next, the first joke that was going to open my thing, I wrote it so carefully. And I was like, if I pull off this joke, I think I'll be good. And the joke relied on them, somebody yelling, heckling back at me. And I I was like, I know these people so well that if I do this, I know someone's going to heckle. And they heckled back at me. And I just went, you're eating out of my hands. And then from then on, I just, the, every joke landed. Not even the Amazing. big jokes, the little jokes, even little, every comment that I snuck in there, they were roaring. I murdered it. It was glorious. It was like, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe how good it was. And then after, like, people were like, congratulations. And I'm like, I feel like I just won something. I don't know what I won, but I think I've won <laughs> something. I don't know what I've won, though. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. You've won life. I won life. I'm yeah. like, yeah. Um, so that's my news. Amazing. And Congratulations. Good job. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. All right, let's get into this movie then. Woo-hoo. Okay, so Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Did I write a summary? Did I fuck? I did not write a summary for this. But what I wanted to do instead was I would like to recite the scrolling titles from the opening to you. Yeah. Do you fucking roll your eyes at me? Aliens? What? Buckaroo Banzai. Born to an American mother and a Japanese father. Thus began life as he was destined to live it. Going in several directions at once. A brilliant neurosurgeon. This restless young man quickly dissatisfied with a life devoted solely to medicine. He roamed the planet studying martial arts. And particle physics. Collecting around him a most eccentric group of friends. Those hard-rocking scientists. The Hong Kong Cavaliers. And now, with his astounding jet car ready for a bold assault on the dimensional barrier, Buckaroo Banzai faces the greatest challenge of his turbulent life. While high above Earth, An alien spacecraft keeps a nervous watch on Team Banzai's every move. Yeah. And that tells you all you need to know about this movie. And if I watched it 20 more times, I still wouldn't be able to understand what the fuck is going on and be able to give you any description at one point as to what this movie is supposed to be about. Yeah. (laughs) No, 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 no. 
It's the vibe of the thing, Abby. It's all a vibe. The whole this it's movie is just a vibe. That is exactly what it is. I yeah. Well, I've actually thought of, I was like I can tell you what I like. It's the story and the plot. I'm like I don't know what is the story of the plot, but the Bakari Banzai and the Hong Kong Cavaliers and the whole vibe of that and his whole like polymath existence and his eccentric like scientist musician like that is so great. But the plot, yeah. the actual thing that takes <laughs> us through the movie and all the aliens, you're like like. Okay. So I I didn't understand it. Uh, like I, I actually I managed to read. So okay, I'm I'm gonna I'll tell you about it in a while. But like I did mm-hmm. find some really good descriptions in such a way. So I've got some sections written out that'll help us like actually okay. deconstruct what happens in more like it makes more sense and it's clearer. But I think the thing about it, right, because of the whole vibe of it, is that there's two ways that I've like okay so. I started off with just being like, I don't know how to talk about this movie. Like, I literally don't know because one of my favorite things ever is I watched an interview with Peter Weller. It's a, a very recent interview yeah. where they're talking about Buckaroo Banzai. And he, in it, Peter Weller is just like, yeah, I didn't know what it was about. I was like, I did not get Buckaroo. I did not get what it was about. I did yeah. not get what it was doing. I didn't understand it. And then he talks about how he's at like some sort of um, uh, screening of it, some special Kevin screening. Smith. Him and yeah, him and Christopher Lloyd are at the special screening and they're sitting on stage and he's like, turns to Christopher John Lloyd Lithgow. at one point and he's just going, oh, was it John Lithgow? All right. So, yeah. and he turns to him and he's like, um, I really hope they're not, like, they're not going to ask us to talk about it, are they? And then they bring out <laughs> Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith does Kevin this Smith. whole introduction about it being like this genre bending, like just transcending a genre idea story. And he turns to, to Lithgow and he's like, I didn't know that. Did you? <laughs> it's just yeah. And Kevin Smith is basically <laughs> weeping. He's yes. basically just weeping on the podium it's as well. It's so beautiful. I love it. I know. But like, look, look, the thing, so the thing for me is like, the, the way I feel about it, so here, here's kind of how I feel about it, is like the male appeal in, in terms of what, for me, is just like, it's pop culture fodder for nerds. Like that's literally, it's just, that's all it is. It's campy, it's geeky, it's sci-fi. I completely live for this movie, absolutely. It's the A-team for nerds. Like, that's what they are. And what you're doing is you're entering into this movie at a point within the story where they've designed it in such a way as if it's an episode of the A-team. As if, like, these people are real. There's this comic book world that exists. There's these action figures that are out there that people buy. And there's, like, TV shows about them. There's all this like Buckaroo Banzai and Hong Kong Cavaliers. They're a known figure. And this is just one episodic story within their entire existence. And I think that's what they actually intended to do with it. But they just, it actually just never went anywhere beyond the movie, which is wild. And it's like, yeah, but yeah, so it feels weird because you're like, I feel like I'm missing a lot of context here because of the style of it. But because we are missing context, because there's this entire backstory and world that is created that we don't know about. It's it's yeah. it's so crazy. Yeah, definitely. Can you tell I liked it? Yeah, I can. You're very excited. Yeah, you kind of catch up. You're like, who are those people? And then he's a. It's his band, and like you kind of like. I think it's you kind of get it if you're following. 
it reminds me of Josie and the Pussycats. It's so many things together, but I think about Josie and the Pussycats, like this band that also have like adventures and, you know, yeah, it's like a comic book. Yeah. Completely and totally. Uh, it's so funny. Yeah, I was definitely, for me, it's funny because if I compare this to um, Inner Space, um, similar genre film except inner space had a very tight concept that it stayed Mm. within the concept and a narrative and a three acts thing but it was wacky and very charismatic in terms of the um abilities of all the actors in order to actually deliver and perform and deliver good jokes um and this was um it was a lot it was like so much (laughs) more and with no effort to actually give any um any story that had any concepts like the story had like no (laughs) concepts there was no concepts at all there was no (laughs) concepts there was no story like and so it was just like and and it was it was insane like the 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 number of place sets and the voices and just the the -the over-the-top acting and it was so fucked up it was fucked that you know, but every now, but then there, there's something else would happen that was so funny. It was like it kept going; it never stopped. There'd be another scene introducing an entire other idea that is so wacky and hilarious, and it kept going, and it never, it never like was done introducing characters either. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, like, no, no, no. At no point was the introduction, and then it moved into the story. It just added another element and add another element. And I got the jokes, like I was laughing at all those points, although I was entirely lost in the greater scheme of things. But (laughs) when, you know, the president comes in and the president bit, I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. Like everything gets added on and it's hilarious. (laughs) However, what the, however, (laughs) mate, it was not like I I was like, I was sweating. I was sweating. I totally get you because it is it's that thing where it's done in such a way where it's like you're laughing at the jokes you're in there's so many parts of it and we're going to talk about it in a while there's just parts of it where you're just like I'm so into this but also I have no fucking idea what's going on (laughs) like what is this what is what is all what what are you talking about Mm. Um, I will say I wasn't always so into it like I wasn't necessarily so into it is the thing but I because I wasn't into it I was very much like working very hard to sort of follow it but still it made me laugh a lot and like the charisma of the 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 people and the the bits all the funny bits made me laugh so much even though I was not remotely like engaged in the world at all I was still like laughing my head off at certain parts. So it was almost, I was appreciating it from a like safe distance. Like, (laughs) oh, that's good. Oh my God, that's funny. But I was like very much like, oh Jesus, I need a break for more soup intermission. (laughs) Where's my soup at? Um, Anyways. Okay, so let's talk about the cast. So you yes. you did notice, did you, in the in the structure that I'm trying to... I'm doing the same thing I did with 2001 where I just don't want us to talk about uh, too much stuff until the end. Okay. Did you look at the structure? I did look at it. Oh, yeah. I'll okay. look at it again now. <laughs> no, I just figured, just same, same thing. I think when we go through it, so much stuff is going to come up that yeah. instead of, like, listing off everything now, I think we'll just we'll just do, like, best bits and, and stuff like that at the end. Um, okay. But like 
Now, keeping in mind that in a minute when we get into the science section, I've got a whole like thing. We will talk about the about Buckaroo and the Hong Kong Cavaliers and all that in general. But is there anything in terms of cast wise that you just kind of want to bring up and talk about now? Not the Cavaliers. Um, I would respectfully ask to leave my comments about Ellen Barkin to the end of the episode with the ratings. And, okay. Um, no, I've got nothing to discuss here that's not within the okay. scope. All right. Well, then there's there's before we get into the next section, then there's there's two there's just two lines that I want to pick out um, from <laughs> that. I just I just think like. It sums up how I feel about the movie, the way that these lines make me feel. Remember, okay. Frida, no matter where you go, there you are. There you are. Come on, guys. <laughs> Don't be me. And the next one is, uh, nothing is ever what it seems, but everything is exactly what it is. So good. <laughs> It's like it's like those um those you know motivation posters or something, like like just inspirational quotes. But when you actually try to think about what what is the quote trying to tell you, and you're just like, huh, what? I know. Well, also you're like, are you? Am I dumb or are you dumb? Like I don't. I can't tell. <laughs> that's it, and that that's a, that is the exact description of what this movie is. Am I dumb or are you dumb? I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um Okay, so in terms of themes of this movie, I mean what? Uh it's basically just it's all genres in one. It's comedy, action, sci-fi, western romance, and I have nothing else to say about it. There's no theme. There is actually yeah. no discernible theme. This is this is like a weird painting. It's just like a crazy painting. <laughs> the theme is the A team but sci-fi. That's the theme. The eight, the, the theme scientists. is the theme is being cool and amazing. Yes, that's what that the, is theme the theme is. That is the a theme. cool, the amazing theme. person. <laughs> like, but really cool and a really, really amazing. That's what the theme is. The theme is scientists can be cool too. That's the theme. Not, not a, can be, but not as cool as Bakaru Banzai. <laughs> I'm just looking longingly like... Yeah, I know. Okay, we're, we're going to come to that. We're going to come to that in a minute. All right, let's do tropes first. Let's do tropes, okay? All right. All I right. have so many tropes. Okay. It's fucked. All right, amazing. Okay, great. I've got a few as well. All right. One, okay, two, so... three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Nine tropes. Okay, so I've only got four. So let's do mine first then okay. and see where they match. And then you can right. give us your list, okay? Okay, yeah. so my first oh. one is, of course, Buckaroo Banzai is a jacks of all trades. If you haven't heard <gasps> us talk about jacks good. of all trades, please refer back to our episode on the Meg. Frida, did you know that they're making a second Meg? There's a Meg too. It's coming out this year. Wait until, I cannot wait until we can do a sequels miniseries. I'm so excited. <laughs> Anyway, she's really upset by that. All right. Okay. So my other, my next trope is um, literally all the foreign accents. Yeah, that was mine. I mean, love, oh, let's go. Bingo. But... You know what? We could have done bingo with this shit. No, we should yep. have, yeah. Fake accent. For, for a while, I actually thought Lithgow was being, it took me ages to realize he was being Italian and not Russian. Abby. <laughs> uh, me too. And then, and then I look 
on the internet and apparently it's this brilliant Italian accent. Italian. People are talking about it for decades. You know how long it took me? It was near the end that I said, turned to Harry and I was like, he sounds Italian now. <laughs> it was like an hour and a half in. <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, there's there's the, the classic... Um, this uh, white guys being Asian loved Peter Weller, but like you're, you know, if, if Banzai is supposed to be half Japanese, it's not, it's not the casting there for, uh, yeah. I did check. Yep. I was like, I'm just gonna check Weller's Me background too. and see. Uh, nope, nope. Very, 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 very Caucasian. <laughs> it's so offensive. I, yeah. it's the appropriation of is. So rude. Yeah. But anyway, 80s. Go on. Yeah. And uh, Mad Scientist, obviously. Lizardo. Absolutely. Mad Scientist. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. They're, they're all mine. Yeah. Okay. So what I've got left is... Wow. Flashbacks. <laughs> flashbacks. That flashback. <laughs> the way he's like, the exposition, he's like, oh my God. And then the news news reader being like, and then it's like, yeah, we're in a flashback. Um, Scientists stole my work. Looking at the TV. Oh my God. Empty space trope. Here we fucking are again with the empty space. Can't believe it. Then Jeff Goldblum on the piano for no reason. Also because he's just talking and he's like, did you know I can play the piano? Yes, we know. But honestly, I'm here for it. Don't care. All yeah. the time. I have another, there's like a Jeff Goldblum specific trope. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> hang on. Here we go. One second. Where is it? Jeff Goldblum. Science Logic Jump starring Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. That was he. Every time he's in a movie, he has a scene where he goes, wait a minute. 13 and, and, and. And he's gesticulating. And I was like dancing along with him. I was like, I love you, but you have Frida, like five notes. I think we need it's you to do like a TikTok on um, the, like the, you know, best Jeff Goldblum scientists. Jeff Goldblum's top science, <laughs> scientists, depictions, movies, science people. We'll talk things. about him in a minute. Um, more tropes. So it's empty space. It did. Oh, just we'll destroy the world. They gotta destroy the world, uh, and if they do, then we'll destroy the world. Okay, everyone's just destroying the world. Um, Russia, Russia coming in. Russia will interpret this as an act of war, and it will trigger mutually assured destruction. Trope. Yep. <laughs> and I think that, and then I think that's all. That's all my tropes. Okay. <laughs> oh oh oh! Sorry. One more. Lotions and potions. There was yeah, the green, beautiful. yeah, the good, you got it, you saw it, the green, the little sort of science juice. <laughs> it's and that's it. just, I mean, you see, sometimes with the movie, I was like, I was like, I was like, it, like, I think parts of it are a parody, like parts of it are, are a parody of, um, of these types of, of those types of movies at the time or something. But then you're just like, how much, how seriously am I supposed to take this movie? I'm so confused. <laughs> I, I just as seriously I as they're taking so it. People know what maybe. Movie is. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Yeah, okay. Mine. So this is beautiful. We're going to get into this right now. Okay. Okay. So this is the thing that excited me the most, right, Frida? Right. There is a press kit. The writer, Earl MacRoach, 
wrote a press kit that was distributed by 20th Century Fox. So basically everything I will be saying going forward is information that we can get from this press kit, which is published online. Um, so here is the synopsis of the movie from the press kit, which will help us get a better understanding of what fucking happened in the movie because we didn't get it from watching the movie. Buckaroo Banzai, top brain surgeon, scientist, adventurer, and rock performer, is caught with his trusted allies, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, in a battle to the death between evil red aliens and good black aliens from Planet 10. An army of red aliens have escaped their prison in the formless eighth dimension and established a base on Earth disguised as human beings. Buckaroo Banzai unwittingly gives them the opportunity to return home when he successfully breaks into the eighth dimension with his oscillation overthruster. Led by demonic dictator John Warfen, who has taken over the body of Italian scientist Dr. Emilio Lazardo, the aliens try to get the overthruster back from Buckaroo Banzai. But the good black aliens are willing to destroy Earth rather than let these renegades return to their planet. Even the good aliens have heard of Buckaroo Banzai, so they give him the chance to save his planet. If he doesn't stop the red aliens, goodbye Earth. Did that help? Yeah, I think that I, I think that I most of that I I got. Mm, yeah, most of it I got. Yeah. I, yeah, I think the gist, but some of the yeah. details about that they knew about him and so they, yeah, well, that they wanted him to inter- intervene and also the fact that they would rather destroy Earth than have these people succeed. I can't mm. ev- that even confused me. To be honest, I'm, st- I'm still kind of confused. I think Let's I didn't really kind of get the concept that the aliens were in like a dimensional prison. And that, and then I was very confused about like Lizardo because I was like, but Lizardo's not an alien. He he wasn't an alien. So how did he become an alien? And it's like they took over the body. But then there's obviously we've no idea how these like red lectoid aliens take over a human body, um, or did uh-huh. they just like transform? I have no idea. There's zero explanation for that. But it's just the fact he that Lizardo called... is an actual scientist, human being. And then there's yeah. John Warfin, who is the alien, who is in Lizardo's body, basically. Yeah, he was pulled in the wall and they possessed him. Yeah. Then? So then when he comes out, he comes out as this um, red alien and he goes on a crime spree. And that's how he ends up in this institution. Because, um, like, from humanity's perspective, it's Lizardo has gone crazy. But, you know, from the alien perspective, it's this criminal who was... Escape, who has escaped a prison and has just gone on some random spree. And you just reminded me of the prison guard, Jonathan Banks. Yes. Mike from Break- Breaking Bad. It's just cool. Love him. <clears throat> it's exactly the same. <laughs> okay, um, cool. All right. So the world of Buckaroo Banzai and the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Um, is basically that like so it said they're a hard rocking group of scientists and they run the Banzai Institute for Biomedical Engineering and Strategic Research. So crazy. Which also has a sideline publishing company and record company for all their comic books and albums. <laughs> so my question 
Is there anything in the world that you can think of that is like this? Is there any person, institution, group in the world that is scientists that run like some sort of institute but also have a rock band? Are also like, it's just. I'll tell you what though. It's diluted these days because social media makes it very accessible for people to create content. So yeah. even though it's much less impressive, there are I can definitely see there are people that are like this this cosmetic surgeon I knew that had like a famous TikTok where him and his staff did dances and then he showed surgery and then he had an OnlyFans yeah. account with close up surgery and I guess you could say like that's like a buckaroo pants I think but yeah. like revolting and disgusting. <laughs> are you a polymath i feel like you're only really a polymath and i've thought about this a lot if you have your institute plus actual albums that are out and published works yeah. not just some tiktok where you run around yeah so i don't know anybody like that but i feel like there's a lot of diluted versions of that these days yeah well because that was the thing because i was like the only people that like the only pro like the only people that are recognizable as like musicians and scientists are brian may and um brian cox but like is that is that the same thing it's not really you know brian may got his you know he went and he studied astrophysics after like you know he'd been yeah. a rock star for ages and it was something that he went back to do and and brian cox was in a band and then went and did you know it's like it's not it's not that you Subsequent. have it's not that it's not that brian may is out there touring with queen and but meanwhile is also like doing hardcore scientific research and publishing papers and advancing the field it's you know it, yeah. it's not I don't I don't think anyone exists that is doing no. those two things at the same time. There is somebody, there is a woman who um I think she's at I don't know where exactly she is now. I cannot remember her name, but she is a quantum physicist. Um she's at Harvard or or Oxford. I'm not actually sure. Um I've never seen her, but she's also a ballerina, like a prima ballerina. So, like, there are some people out there who are, like, you know, mm. who have those kinds of things going so on. But we just don't really hear about them. But in terms of the world of Buckaroo Banzai and the whole, like, you know, just fame that he has. Mm. Um, That's very tropey. That's a tropey thing. But he's it's not just that he does it. He's the best in the world, the most yeah. famous in the world. So that's tropey. It actually made me think of, there are other examples like uh, Robert Gottlieb, who just passed away last week. He's a very famous book editor. He's edited so many books. It's crazy and run publishing companies, but also the, the director of the New York Ballet. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he and he's like, well, because one's all about words and one's not without words. It's sort of compliments because it, they fill his sort of needs. Yeah. He's a relief because he gets it. it's expression without words and then only well, expression with words. I think that like we, we spent quite a bit of time in society of being like pigeonholed into things and, and it being like you, you only do this. And so it's like scientists are, are, are like this and they're they're just this. And it's only recently that with maybe with the advent of social media and stuff like that and with you know people having more kind of progressive ideals and stuff and pushing forward um making you know uh, things being more visible that 
we can start moving towards recognizing when when people have different interests and that it's you know you can have a wide range of interests and you can have mm. a wide range of skills and talents across it you don't have to just be um Book specific smart. to one yeah exactly what so. about Feynman and his bongos there you go <laughs> Richard Feynman played the bongos <laughs> as featured in Oppenheimer <laughs> Oh, really? He hit by bongos and Oppenheimer? Yeah. Oh, kill me. <laughs> I have someone that actually has both careers. I just realized. Dr. Bruce Campbell. He's got, he's a, he has like record. He's like a violinist with an orchestra and actually hey. has published recordings. And also being the preeminent research neurologist in the country and, and maybe even one of the great ones in the entire world. Yeah. And also is a professional violinist. There you go. Hey. That's someone. Yeah. But we're in the world of Banzai. <laughs> Shout and out Bruce Campbell. Is there a, yeah, is there anyone <laughs> can, can he compare? It's Nobody Bruce. can compare to Buckaroo Banzai. A physicist, a neurosurgeon, a test pilot, and a rock star. Um <laughs> So yeah, there's there's no way to know what Buckaroo Banzai is about. But in the interview with Peter Weller, he does describe like who he based it on, and and I do think it's mm. fascinating, and it re- you can see it immediately. So first off, he based it on this guy called Elia Kazan, who was a very famous film and theater director. Um, then he mixed that with uh, Jacques Cousteau, and then he mixed in a bit of Adamant. Fucking yeah. glorious! Just really cool people. I love I love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, he that. is it's, cool. It's so he is cool. so fucking cool. This is the thing. This it's movie is so campy. It is so ridiculous. It is so over it's the top. Campy. But every single bit of Banzai is a, like he is every moment with him. He's just fucking cool. He Are is you saying you don't think this is campy. No, no, no. I, I, I Camp wasn't the word because I just think it's cool. Like, I think their clothing are amazing. I mean, I want to dress that way. I didn't find that camp at all. I was there for the fashion. I mean, they were so fucking cool. Okay, what I think about Buckaroo Banzai is that what I wanted to say was he's he's a true hero. He's gallantry. He's got the stoicism of a real hero and he's gallant and he has charisma and he's kind and he's so cool. Peter Weller was just like, he's just, yeah, he just, he just had it. Just fucking had it. Um, So let's, let's move on um, because I think we, we can spend way too much time talking about Peter Weller and being obsessed with with the character. So let's talk about the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Um, Oh yeah. So the Hong Kong Cavaliers, they are a band, but the members are made up of experts in a range of fields that work at the Banzai Institute. So we can, we'll talk about them after. Let me just list through who they have. The, now, this information that I have about each one of them is taken from this press release written by the writer of the movie. This is the backstories that he wrote for these people. So I just picked out a couple of lines for each one. Okay. Rawhide. Rawhide, uh, real name unknown holds several advanced degrees in psychology, anthropology, and entomology. Because those things go together. Uh, Reno is an artist of some sort who looks after the comic books and the action side of things. Uh, He's described as having three speeds, gun, knife, rope. Uh, He has postulated the existence of a new layer of atmosphere between the troposphere and the stratosphere called the flatosphere. 
the flatusphere, an accumulation of methane gas emitted by politicians, press agents, and other specimens of human mendacity. <laughs> um, we've got Perfect Tommy. Perfect Tommy is a product of broken dreams. He accepted a sp he was accepted to a special program at MIT where he would have coordinated material testing in cryogenic propellants to determine compatibility of various chemical gases and fluids associated with rocket propulsion and laser systems. But a woman and a scandal forced him to leave for a time. <laughs> <laughs> it was his design for the jet car suspension that convinced Buckaroo that the promise of the os oscillation overthruster might at least be realized. Uh, then we have New Jersey, who's a oh. neurosurgeon and the son of hardworking bourgeoisie. He's in the possession of a cowboy outfit for reasons unknown. <laughs> we I have found the reason. <laughs> we have in the Professor script. It says the reason. Oh, okay, we'll come back. Uh, okay. We've got Prof Professor Toichi Hikita, uh, who is the world's foremost authority on electromagnetic and part particle acceleration. Um, and then we have Penny Pretty, who was born in Wyoming, is the identical twin sister of Buckaroo's young wife, Peggy, who was mysteriously murdered on her wedding day. No more information is given on this. Uh, sometimes <gasps> Peggy, <laughs> no, Penny, sorry, sometimes exhibits unexpected knowledge of obtrude. Uh, I have to say this line properly. Penny sometimes exhibits unexpected knowledge of abstruse scientific theories. There are our cavaliers. Okay, mm -hmm. give me what is the reason for uh, New Jersey's cowboy outfit? His grandfather um, was like worked on a film and stole it <laughs> so that he could do like be a live cowboy, like start a career as a like live action cowboy. And that, that is why. And he inherited it from his grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally in the script. I know that sometimes writers give character details to the actors to help them build the character. Yeah. That aren't necessary for the plot. But that detail was given to Jeff Goldblum so he could really Amazing. develop that, like, shit-eating grin. So oh good. my god so all right so what are your what 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 do you have on your thoughts and your comments on our, our hong kong cavaliers well perfect tommy is like i mean perfect just made the whole movie for me his unnecessary shirtlessness and like yes. it was so good um the end i i'm in love i'm in love is oh, that yeah. woman me was it me the scandal because um yeah <laughs> give me a time machine Loved Perfect Tommy and Jeff Goldblum. I got what he was doing so clearly yeah. and it just made me so happy. I was so with him, like on his whole thing, the whole bit. And it, it was so, he, he really is the king and he still, he stole every scene he was in that Waiting there in the cowboy suit and getting the music ready. Oh, when yeah, and when they turned <laughs> just... up, the way he stood as well, he suddenly just went into a really like <laughs> with his hands down. <laughs> I know, like it, it's amazing. It's like it's it, he's so good that uh, the hands down. I know, like he's he got into this position yeah. like he was waiting, but he looked worse. He looked more awkward and. And if he just was doing nothing, <laughs> so perfect. So I loved him. And I loved um, Rawhide. 
He's from Shawshank Redemption, isn't he? I mean, yeah, he's such Clancy a brute. Brown. He's great. Clancy Brown. Um, yeah, the, I mean, they're all amazing, but I think those three really stood out yeah. to me. And I did, I did like that the, the 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 other guy, not the guy with the weird clothes, the guy that had the hat and everything, the guy that was very dark. Uh, I can't remember his name, but they were all amazing. What could I say? Yeah. But those three definitely stood out. It was, but like you said, it was like there was a lot and more people kept coming in. So it, it kept becoming more and more like, wow. But yeah, but yeah. this whole group, this whole idea that there's all these people, they work at this institute, uh, but, they, but they're all like make up this band. And then like the recruitment of... Um, of uh of Jeff Goldblum's character as New Jersey into it to be kind of like New Jersey. It, it was like that moment with the, with the with sur- the with the surgery like where they're doing the surgery and then he's just like can you play an instrument and it's like <laughs> it's just that whole thing it's like I'm gonna recruit you to the institute but you have to be able to play an instrument because you also have to join the band like you don't get like it's it's <laughs> it's a package deal so you know can can you give us the whole package it was just I fucking know. brilliant very clever. <laughs> It was a very good way to get to, to give us an idea of the fact that they're all also a band. Yeah. Very so, funny. So let's move on to the aliens then. So we've got our aliens from pa- Planet 10. And uh, when they say Planet 10, Frida, they mean Planet 10 of our solar system. Oh, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> so there are two types of aliens at Planet 10. There are red electroids, uh-huh. which are led by Lord John Warfen who has taken over Dr. Emilio Lazardo's body. Now, these red lectroids were freed in 1938 when Emilio Lazardo's premature attempt to pass through solid matter opened a temporary gateway through which they could enter into our world at Grover Mills, New Jersey. The invaders hypnotized Orson Welles, who was able, by his magnetic personality, to convince the world that the invasion was a hoax. <laughs> I just that- love that callback to like War of the Worlds thing, it's just I love it. it was yeah, funny. it was it was it wasn't to me it it wasn't like the best ever it wasn't my favourite gag of the film. Like no, other the gag being like it was fake, oh it was real and that was just a cover up. It's like okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. But so so they consume electricity like it was a drug and and the other um so the other one to bring up in terms of the red electrodes is the CEO of Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion, uh, John Big Boutet. <laughs> I just, I, every time they said it, every time they fucking said Isn't it. Isn't it amazing? Uh, yeah. With the company being, so the company Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion is a front for building a ship to get the electrodes home to planet 10. Um, and uh, of course, uh, John Big Boutet is played by Christopher Lloyd. So do we have any comments on... <laughs> Lord Warfin and Big Bootay. <laughs> I'll I'll address Big Bootay first because yeah. Christopher Lloyd is just brilliant and he somehow is like even under the mask he does such a good job. He's so so good under the mask even and he gave me my favorite moment which was the finger like that was my favorite moment and I don't know why that is so brilliant I can't explain it why it's so simple it's so (laughs) obvious but him giving giving the finger why is that brilliant explain it I mean I can't I can't I can't it's brilliant and that, that finger it's so juvenile and unbelievable um I just I thought it was great um they're constant fighting, but okay. But John Lithgow, 
I don't really know. Can you talk about it? I don't know what to say. I can't. Uh, it I was so over the top. It was so over the top. It was so <laughs> manic. It was so weird. It was everything. He did the scene, right? So, you know, when they pull him out of the wall and he's crazy. And like, I was rewatching this yesterday and I actually like, and I, it was that moment. So they pull him out of the wall and he puts his head up and he's like, wild and crazy and then he runs around and he's like making almost animal like noises and he jumps over the table and he runs through the door and he opens the door right and he does an exact moment where the doors open heads down look back and it's Dracula it's basically the (sighs) Dracula look back it's like he way overplayed it but I'm okay with it (laughs) like yeah it was just what that I that was hilarious. Like every bit of that particular scene had been stitches, and also the banging the heads together. It was so oh, yeah. over the top. And every note. Do you know what note I was getting? Well, you say that, and now I'm thinking of all the New Zealanders um, in the in the um that the the vampire mockumentary. Yeah. <laughs> what's it called? What we do in the shadows. The way they like act like vampires it's so funny but it was very much giving me like that that overcommitment but also weirdly I was getting weird owl notes weird owl's whole like he's like he does big physical comedy and he makes his eyes big and he's crazy and I was really feeling like weird owl right from this particular performance of John Lithgow and I wonder I mean, Weird Al's obviously outrageous geek, and yeah. I wonder if he has watched Buckaroo Banzai fifty thousand times, yeah. and <laughs> the physicality for me really was similar. Yeah, John Lithgow yeah. is insane. I I I don't know how he can sit there in that like film festival thing and just be like talk about the film as if like he's crazy. <laughs> he just did this film. Like, I just don't, how does he, yeah, and he, I, I don't I know. can't understand him at all. I don't understand it's so it. wild. Um, okay, let's just, uh, so there's only one more person I want to bring up here, and it's, so we've got to talk about the other, so then, in the, in the press pack, this is the, the other aliens from Planet 10 are just, the, so they're called the Adders, and they are the more evolved, dark-hued alien inhabitants of Planet 10 who bred the bellicose red electroids expressly for fighting wars of planetary defense. But then they sure. found themselves in a death struggle for control of their own world. And then that's when they banished the um, the other ones. Now, the emissary to Earth is John Parker, played by Carl yeah. Lumley. And John Parker is a skilled musician, fluent in Spanish, because certain powerful Mexican radio stations are occasionally received on Planet 10. <laughs> Sorry, I'm obsessed with this. And he assumed the guise of a dreadlocked Rastafarian for his mission to Earth because when the Planet 10 spaceship aimed the beams at this planet, they scanned the island of Jamaica, leaving the Adders with the false impression that all Earthlings look like Rastafarians. I wish. (laughs) Just like... I love John Parker. I love... Oh my God. Carl Lumley. I I just... I always appreciate Carl Lumley when he turns up in something, but my favourite bit... (laughs) Buckaroo Banzai? With the box. <laughs> Bakaru Banza. I oh, loved him so, so much. Good. And he's also such a natural addition to the team. And I love that he's yeah. also a musician because you're like, I hey. see where this is going. Yeah. But he, <laughs> his look, his look is so good. Though yeah. the jackets and the shiny pants and all of that as well. Like he just, 
he really slides in so nicely to them. So yeah. I, I really loved every everything. Every, every time he was in a scene, I was like, yeah, this yeah. guy's cool. I loved it. I, I feel I feel better about it now because when I first watched the movie, I was really confused about the difference between the aliens. I just really didn't right. understand what was happening. And when the ship landed and then they were there and then it was like, on the, the they were like, oh, you must self-destruct. And I was like, who's the good and the bad guys here? I'm so confused. Um, so then well, when it had, turned out that yeah. they were the good guys, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Good yeah, the back, emissary. Yeah. He was the, the emissary, emissary yeah. of the woman called John. Yeah. A girl that- called John. <laughs> there's that, that scene um on, on, like but the, the scene when the when the pod closes and the first guy dies the this is when i say campy like this is what i think in my brain when campy like there's the 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 thing closes the guy looks down sees it close and then with zero motion just falls off the top of the thing and hits his head off a rock and is dead <laughs> and he's dead like, yeah that whole and scene they... is just like <laughs> With the hunters, yeah. that yeah. The, the hunters is so clever, and it's funny because the movie kept on surprising you by how clever it was. Do you know what yes. I mean? Like, oh, as in, Frida, as wait. in, as in, you'd be like, surely this is as clever as I'm suspecting, and it and it keeps being really clever. And that I thought that scene was very clever, and and the jokes on his race were very clever. They used every opportunity with John Parker to make a joke about race race uh, relations, and I yeah. just it was so funny, so clever. So there's like you said, in terms of it being clever, but like, okay, this is going to surprise you. Um, okay. Because I honestly came into this because obviously this is our batshit movie, so I came into this just going, "What the fuck is all of this?" Sure. Now, um, Buckaroo Banzai is attempting to move through matter and glimpse the eighth dimension using a jet car running on an oscillating overthruster. Now, this research originated in 1938 with Toichi Hikita and Emilio Lozardo, as well as um, Banzai's father, Masado Banzai. Um, but the first experiment didn't go fully to plan with Lozardo getting partially trapped in the eighth dimension. When he gets attacked by the red lectoids and having been ban- that have been banished to the eighth dimension by the adders of Planet 10. Now, some of these beings managed to escape to Earth while the portal is open with Lord Warfin taking over Emilio Lozardo's body. And unfortunately, though, they can't replicate the work to get the rest of the electroids out of um, the eighth dimension and then get on their spaceship and, and go to planet 10. Now, in the meantime, Toichi Hikita meets, meets Dr. Uh, Masato Banzai. They begin to work on the overthruster. In the second test run of this that we don't see in the movie is in 1950s. And in this test run, Dr. Banzai and his wife, Dr. Sandra Banzai, die in the explosion, leaving Buckaroo mm-hmm. behind as four years old. Hikita right. raises him and together they then complete his work on the overthruster, allowing them to pass through matter and glimpse the eighth dimension is the opening sequence of the movie. Now, is there any of this that you think has absolutely any link to any real science in any way, like at all? Batman? <laughs> I don't know what any any tell me there is a piece online written by dr carrie i snyder now admittedly for a while i legitimately couldn't tell whether this was part of like the press pack whether like this was a fake person that had written a fake science story of it or not but no this is a real person 
And alongside um, a colleague of theirs at the time, Dr. Joseph uh, Bisognano, I have no idea how to say that name. Bisognano, maybe? Um, they, who contributed to the discussion. Anyway, basically, so Snyder um, has a background in physics and then works in STEM education. And Bisognano is a, uh, who works on developing particle accelerators. Mm-hmm. So this might break your brain, okay? Uh, okay, I'm okay. focusing. All right. The concept of matter being mostly empty space, right? Like, that's something we've talked about before. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Ant-Man. Um, but that was about shrinking and growing. Now we're talking about moving through that through. empty space, through matter. Yeah. Now, we have the panel scene where Banzai says, see this glass, it's solid matter, right? But in point of fact, the solid parts of this glass, the protons, quarks, your neutrons and electrons, they comprise only of one quadrillionth of its total volume. This Mm -hmm. is true. So if there's so much empty space, what fills it? Well, it's because the electron is held to the nucleus of the atom by the electromagnetic force. And according uh, according to quantum field theory, this force is carried by the exchange of particles, virtual photons. So the space is filled with virtual photons traveling between the two. Now, if these photons being passed between the electron and the nucleus didn't cover the whole distance, then the atoms could pass through each other. Uh, So one of the reasons virtual photons can travel between the electron and the nucleus is because they have no mass. If they did have mass, they would end up being restricted to a region closer to the nucleus, shortening the distance of travel of the virtual photons and reducing the ability of the particles to see each other, creating actual empty space and allowing matter to move through matter. How are we doing so far? Fine, I think. Okay. So giving photons mass is achieved using the oscillation overthruster which is described mm. as a colliding beam particle accelerator that fires intermediate vector bosons this is a fucking line from the movie an intermediate vector boson we're talking about the w bosons and the z boson these are related to the electroweak force So these bosons all start out with no mass, but spontaneous symmetry breaking gives them mass and causes them to become carriers of the weak force, which is one of the four fundamental forces and is a short range force. So this line from the movie, right? The oscillation overthruster is a rather small colliding beam accelerator, if you will, a crude contraption whose purpose was simply to enhance the electroweak forces that pertain between subatomic particles, thus making those forces the most powerful events occurring within a molecule. And he also says that it's a device which systematically reorders matter by annihilating electrons and positrons. You with me? I'm going to summarize it, okay? okay? So basically, what they're saying is that they are using a small antimatter collider to create a high energy beam of intermediate vector bosons to induce spontaneous symmetry breaking and impart mass to photons, causing the weak force to be more dominant than the electromagnetic force and thereby allowing space to truly exist between atoms. Cool. Amazing. I am very impressed and a little afraid 
Right? Well, I'm sure that when I hear it back in editing, <laughs> I'll understand that way more, which often happens. Often, often I hear it back and I go, oh, that was brilliant. But I didn't quite get it. But I believe you that I'm sorry. I'm very, I'm a little confused, but also I believe what you're saying is they used a particle collider to create a situation yeah. where there was empty space actually by like moving shit. It's just the fact that there is like it, and it's not the fact that this guy wrote this after the movie. I think he actually wrote it before. I think he must have been given a screening. Like he's a science consultant on 20th Century Fox. So I think he actually either consulted on the movie or he was given a screening and then wrote the science before the movie was actually released. Um, and he presented it to like a teacher's association thing or something like that in like April of 1984. But like, it's just the whole fucking thing, the way, because it's not just the idea that they, that they had this background or that we can go afterwards. Oh, well, you could explain it by this. It's in right. the fucking dialogue. It's in the fucking dialogue in the That's movie. That's impressive. I'm like, not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised. Just, I'm not I was surprised not expecting at this movie. it. I'm not I am I am not surprised that this movie also happens to because it feels like it's this it's got some it's got a sheen of brilliance to it the movie yeah. has a sheen of brilliance to it yeah. that it doesn't surprise me um one of the commenters Shifty Ben um wrote in uh, response to what you've said Anna Partridge in a pear tree <laughs> That's so good. It's just no, that's, wild. It is wild. It's very impressive. Damn it. Now I'm going to have to give it a high score. Ah. So, well, like, there's more. There's more, Frida. There's more. Go on. Okay, but so, wait, but I do there's also, more. But wait, there's more. But also I want to make a point, right, is um, at this point I just, I do want to make it clear that, like, it's not real. Like, as in, it's very real science in terms of the ideas of what they're presenting. The but like yeah. you know in terms of particle beams quantum field theory particle physics it's insanely cool how they're using these ideas but it's definitely not real and like i you know an antimatter like from my understanding i don't believe an antimatter collision could create intermediate vector bosons uh, it's not that you can't create them but i just don't believe i don't think it would come from an antimatter collision because my understanding is that antimatter colliding with matter is total annihilation into pure energy you don't get these other um uh, you don't get other particles but then also i could be wrong about that because maybe the uh maybe part of the collision between those forces is actually oh god maybe i'm totally wrong about that anyway yeah we'll we'll leave that alone for a second because um the production the result of an antimatter collision is just pure energy but maybe actually in the process and the mechanism of the collision itself might use intermediate vector bosons. I don't know. Um, but basically they're, they're saying that they are creating this beam. But keeping in mind as well, they made this movie in 1984. So it's completely fair to say that not everything we know now would have been developed yet at that time. So like the stuff, the ideas that they're talking about, like they're talking about spontaneous symmetry breaking. That's the Higgs field. That's what they're talking about. The fucking Higgs field and the Higgs boson, which was still a theoretical and evolving idea at the time. I mean, the idea of a Higgs boson only came about in the late 60s. 
So like 84 to be incorporating those fucking ideas into mm. a movie like this is wild to me. Yeah. Um Okay, cool. so uh Carl Snyder wrote in in this thing a description of how the overthruster works. So I'm just going to read this, the description that he wrote here. So first, the overthruster produces colliding beams of electrons and positrons. These, in turn, produce copious quantities of intermediate vector bosons, which are separated and focused with superconducting magnets. When focused on solid matter, the beam produces a small region of high energy density. Inside the target, spontaneous symmetry breaking imparts mass to the photons, reducing the range of the electromagnetic force to far less than a quadrillionth of a centimeter. From this small region, a shockwave of broken symmetry propagates outwards. Behind the shockwave, matter interacts only weakly, providing for Buckaroo and his jet car to move through matter. The car must travel very fast, at least 700 miles per hour, in order to allow free passage before the material reverts to its normal state. Like, I can't believe how I, I swear I was just like, I really was prepared to just like have really trash conversations about science for this movie. And then I read this and I was like, shit, so <laughs> I gotta take passing this seriously. Through the mountain, going through the mountain <laughs> yeah. and then the mountain reverting back to the mountain after he passes through it is yeah. in line with this thinking as is just going through the wall, but then being stuck in the wall once reverted back yeah like yeah yeah exactly cool so yeah so there we go that's um that's the overthruster what the what that's what the oscillation overthruster is doing and the concept of moving through matter how do we feel the MacGuffin. yeah this line about the thruster between them two you forgot your thruster why don't you hang on to it for a while (laughs) (sighs) okay um uh, yeah, I just took the overthruster as a MacGuffin and I kind of was like, cool, it's just the thing that they need and yeah. I get it. But it's funny that like it was a MacGuffin, but also there was a lot of theory behind it. It's kind of, it, it's always like unnecessary to the enjoyment of the movie. It's like entirely unnecessary for any of this to be based in reality. It's always like yeah, they just did it for their own, for themselves. Yeah. I'm I obsessed. didn't need that. I'm obsessed with it. I'm just like yeah, I'm cool. so impressed. So yeah. um, the the last the last thing that we need to talk about in terms of the science is um, the eighth dimension. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's so, talk about it. Buckaroo passes through the mountain, but it's not empty space. He actually ends up in another dimension, the eighth dimension to be exact. But why eight? Why do you think eight? Um. Yeah, no, yeah, you, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I put you on the spot again. <laughs> Frida really hates it when I put her on the spot like this with science questions. <laughs> like, what? Uh, I don't hate it. I just, I'm incapable. Yeah, I can't okay. do that. I can't do so, that. So, <laughs> we talked about dimensions a bit before with uh, our interstellar episode, okay? So, we exist in what's called Minkowski space time, which is four dimensional. We've got three dimensions of space and one of time. Now, we know that the presence of mass causes space-time to be curved, and it leads to the effect we call gravity. So, to you, to us, the space around us doesn't look curved, though. But when we look on the... Like, us on Earth, just standing here, space around... It doesn't look curved. But mm-hmm. when you look on the astronomical scale, the curvature and its effects can be, like, much clearer. Now, there's this thing called the Kaluza-Klein theory. 
And this originated from the 20s-ish, and it says that there could be many dimensions of space that we cannot perceive, um, as we're talking about a scale smaller than an atom. So whereas we would look at our four-dimensional space as like infinitesimally thin perpendicular lines, right? So think about just thinking about our space in our dimensions as uh, lines. The Kaluza-Klein theory suggests that the lines actually become cylinders so that these cylinders have a radius that are many times smaller than the radius of an atom. So that each dimension of our space-time is actually a two-dimensional cylinder with a finite radius, really, really small radius, tiny, 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 smaller than an atom, but an infinite length, leading to a total then of eight dimensions, uh, where the eighth dimension of time or the eighth dimension is the corresponding dimension of time at a subnuclear level. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That's cool. It's <laughs> really cool. Oh gosh. So the uh, basically what we're saying in terms of the Kaluza Klein theory, what they're saying is that like because these dimensions are less than the radius of an atom, or, like that we we would we do travel along these dimensions, but that our travel around them is so inst is instantaneous. So we don't know that we're moving through these eight dimensions because the distance is so short that we just don't have the time to actually perceive the action of doing it. So this then relates to string theory, basically. Um, yeah, that explains why I didn't know about it. Yeah, I mean. I've heard of Kaluza Klein theory before, but not in any detail, <laughs> and I and I know very little about it. But yeah, it's just the 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 concept of there just being more dimensions, but that these spatial dimensions are so small. But I, I just like the idea that like that's why we can't perceive them. The idea that the radius is so small uh, on the scale of an atom that like we do move through them, but we just don't notice it. And then when you think about it from the perspective of how we perceive dimensions, like or the space around us and these curvatures. Uh, around us right now versus what we know to see when you look on the scale of like a sun or a black hole or something like that um how how we can perceive things um is interesting to me but yeah so that's the eighth dimension that's why it's the eighth dimension okay that's good that you found <laughs> it out that's good good abby that's good <laughs> Okay, so this is this is the last thing that I'll say that Snyder says that I really enjoy, right? So so this is this is a quote from his thing, right? That he says at the end. He says, um when Bookaroo is moving through the mountain, he is permeated with an electromagnetic force that is acting at an extremely small subnuclear range. With a little effort, we can imagine that would allow Buckaroo Banzai to experience these four additional mini dimensions which are hypothesized to exist at the same subnuclear level. And I just lolled at the fact that he wrote, with a little effort. So everything in the science so far, great. And then he's just like, with a little effort, we could imagine that he would be able to experience these four additional mini dimensions. And I'm like, 
With a little effort, sure, sure, With the, sure. I, I love sure, that. Sure, sure, is sure. That, is that the little blue, the blue laser, whatever, not laser, but that, yeah. that's going ahead of him? Because that reminds me of the core. I was getting the core vibes yeah. from that whole mountain <laughs> thing was the laser going ahead and cutting through the core of the earth. Like, I was yeah. like, yep, I know all about this. Yeah. I've done this. We've researched this before. Yep. It's veracity. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> But I do. I just think because like normally when we talk about stuff, well, when when we when you hear people talk about dimensions or like in science fiction and stuff like that, they always it's always like the fifth dimension. Joe's like yeah. we're four dimensions. It's the fifth dimension. So I just really appreciated that it was across the eighth dimension that it was so yeah. fucking specific to yes. this. And I I was like when I first I was like why is it eighth dimension? And then I was like oh my god, it's it's being so specific about the science. It's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah there it's we go. So fun. Um, so I don't have anything else to say about the science, uh, but I do want to talk about the car for a minute. But uh, do you have anything about the science that we've actually discussed there before we move on? <clears throat> no. Okay. Um, so I just want to talk about the car and I want to talk about like some callbacks. Because okay. when I say callbacks, I mean call forwards. I mean, as in, yeah. as in the stuff that we have done uh, the movies that we know that came after that are very clearly referencing Buckaroo Banzai that we now know. Like, I mean, the ah, core. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, yeah. so right, think about this. To me, when I, like the design of the car is exceptional. Like it's, exce- like the all the little gadgets in the car at the beginning, yeah. the way that he puts the overthruster into a little gyroscope, like all the stuff that, it, it's so incredible, right? But there's, there's two things about it. So the first thing is, and... I don't think I, I maybe there was just like a connection with designers or something like that. But Buckaroo came out the 10th of August in 1984. And on the 7th of December, Ghostbusters came out. And I cannot help but look mm. at that car and go, that is the Ghostbusters car. Like that is the Ghostbusters car. The, yeah, the whole they even have the it. packs. When they put the packs on, even though it was, yeah. it was to breathe the gas. I mean, by the way. That was funny, but we'll talk yeah. about later. But that that was like to me, I felt Ghostbusters from that yeah. too. Such a vibe, but uh, yeah. the um, one of the, but the most amazing thing about it is that when when they do the car right, did you see the flash then to the monitor that they have monitoring what's happening in the overthruster, and that the shape is the flux capacitor. Amazing. Like it is. Yeah, there was a lot of details. It was there was so it was very dense. It was very hard to capture and write everything down. There was so much stuff going on. Yeah. So, but I just that is the most impressive one to me. It's like when you watch Back to the Future and we all know the flux capacitor, and you realize the flux capacitor literally came from the oscillation overthruster of Buckaroo Banzai. And it's a callback to it, one hundred percent. Yeah, is it was wasn't it interesting what Kevin Smith said about Back to the Future? Actually, gave me a lot of food for thought. I, what he I don't know if you saw his introduction. I didn't see it. No, I didn't watch it. But he goes Back to the Future. It's like it's a good. It's a perfect movie. It's got the three act structure. It's it ties up at the end. There's a happy ending. He's like it stays in here, but it's like it doesn't stay in here like Buckaroo yes. Banzai does. And the way he's like, I'm not shitting on Back to the Future at all. I can acknowledge it's a perfect film, but this he was like, this is this got in there. This was the movie that yeah. made him realize that the artistic like 
output that could happen in a film made him want to do what he does. So it's just I found it interesting that he's that he but there wouldn't be Back to the Future without Buck like as if yeah. there wouldn't be movies like that without movies like this. That yes. someone could turn those ideas into something that's a little bit more palatable for for most people. Yeah. But they have to originate some somewhere. Isn't but, that interesting? I mean, yeah, I like like just even just think about it, right? They've they've got the oscillation overthruster that goes in. It's the monitoring, like just the just the yeah. shape of it being like the that that's then the the shape that they use for the flux capacitor. It's, you've got this car. It's it's a test. Yeah. It's going at high speed. He's got to you know there's that he's going towards an object. Oh my god, it's going to go through the object and then the car like disappears it goes through the mountain but it's like it's yeah. just that whole sequence like that is yeah. the sequence in back to the future to with the future. doc and marty like that 100%. is that sequence and and but we yeah. see that's the one that that we all know we know that sequence from back to the future we don't know this this test sequence from buckaroo banzai and it's like you watch it now and you're like oh my god that's where and and you're so right it's just that whole thing where uh, and people like I've seen comments about the movie as well just kind of saying like oh it was ahead of its time just in the fact that it threw so much at people that people weren't kind of ready to understand what it was trying to do in terms of just being like this whole like confusion of genres where nowadays I think we really appreciate that kind of stuff we really appreciate people stepping outside of the box and showing us something different to the norm of what we see and um, as, as you said like with what Kevin Smith said about Back to the Future being like that three act structure that thing that we're so used to just like the, our comfort levels of a movie mm. of being like this is what we watch this is how it goes this is what we expect right. and then you might get you might get a twist or you might get a shock or whatever Mm. But um, interesting that you want a different experience. Yeah, I think that these movies will always be appreciated by certain uh, sort of more artistic, yeah. artistically minded people. But it is interesting because everything, everywhere, all at once, Oscar sweep was interesting mm. because a movie that just did not that defied a lot of genre sort of structures and also uh, plot structures could sweep up on a mainstream yeah. award show. Uh, it does say something about the films that people are prepared to watch now that maybe yeah. wouldn't have been prepared to watch. Can I bring it back to this film for a sec? Because I actually yes. made a comment about everything everywhere all at once. The thing that I, I can appreciate in hindsight is that it gave you a break with the vignettes, um, with the O2 in the mood for love that was like this, the, that was running throughout everything ever was. It was a mm. calmer story of just them two talking in the alleyway and the stones. Yeah. That it gave a break because it was a lot so there was a break and I really when I watched it I was so relieved with the rocks and I was so relieved at the alleyway thing because I needed a break and it's funny because in Buckaroo Bronze there's actually no break and I did yeah it was such (laughs) hard work for me it was such hard work to engage and focus because it was so intense so I had to take a break and I just I actually said that out loud I was like yeah like there's no rest as no rest and that is yeah for me it's like it's just a difficult thing that's all like yeah. I, I say like for me I like when films feed me when I can really yeah. be fed by a film and a movie like this and everything all at once what I find happens it drains me with it and doesn't feed me whereas right. movies that have more emotional character stories they tend to feed me a little bit more I yeah. think so I come out there rejuvenated and not uh tired that's all well, that's the thing. So, like, this movie, like, it really is just, like, 
a completely wild journey and a wild ride through whatever the hell is going on. But like, yes. also, I agree with you because it's like the so when I was watching it, I I started with like, okay, I'm gonna watch it for the podcast, so I'll take notes, and I was just like, I can't take notes. I have to actually just watch it. There's yeah, too much hard. going on, and even when I finished watching, I was like, I have to rewatch it with subtitles on because there's so many things that they say. Wow, there's so many. Good. But but this is the thing I was like I did get yeah. to a point where it was like there's a lot of science happening and being discussed here and just comments yeah. so like so coming into like um our our last section before what the fox uh which is like just kind of any best bits and final comments that yeah. you have there was a couple of things so that whole opening sequence when they're setting up the um the test run with the car yeah there's there's you're hearing all these sounds over the tannoy all these discussions all these like uh little kind of notifications and announcements and it's things like I want an electromagnetic field reading. And then anti-gravity inertia mm. reversal, cross-check underway. Uh, can I get a chronographic reading to the bunker, please? Um, other Hardly. specific density is 2.45. It's just they just threw in all this stuff that was just going on that just kind of added to the whole vibe of what was being set up. But it was all this like realistic discussion of setting it up like you're watching like a launch or, yeah. you know, and you're hearing I love that, that opening scene. It was amazing. It threw you straight into the opening scene. And I, it was one of those movies where I was like, I knew that the comments maybe were accurate. Like I had a, had a feeling that it all yeah. sort of made sense, but you, you saw it like, oh, where is he? He's doing brain surgery. And then there's his sidekick and you can tell he's a bit nerdy. And then he comes with his special briefcase. And you're like, oh, that's his special briefcase. And like, it just goes straight in. And I really love the opening sequence. And like, I, th- I think that I followed it and I got it and it was fun because it gave you a chance to see, do you understand? Do you know what's going on here? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I think I know what's going on here. So it was it was great, the fact that it didn't sort of waste any time. Well, it gave you the scrolling narrative up in the beginning, and that's, that should be enough, you know. Yeah. That was a lot. But that the opening scene is so wonderfully busy. It's great. Yeah. it's And I love that you don't see his face. Mm, yeah, you know it's you, you just like, know it's him do yeah. you know because you just know yeah exactly and right. also even if you don't know that second you know the next second so you just stay yeah. with it stay with it stay with it and you're like oh yeah okay okay, okay <laughs> i'm here i'm here i get it um would you so, so best bits yeah so is there are the things that you just wanted to pick out just to to close totally. out totally yeah, can okay, i ask cool. a question there was a bit in the thing which i felt like i've seen in one of our movies and i I don't know which movie maybe this will mean nothing to you but when they had the little indicator thing where he's looking which way do we go and it goes this way they go, this way and they go that way do you know do you know what i'm talking about yeah. there's the little arrows and i'm like i've seen this this has been in a movie is it ghostbusters this way going through the library with the um with the detector and what is the does it have arrows they're, or like they're em reader you know they're in the library they're looking for the first ghost and they're going through all the stacks this way there's something about maybe yeah, yeah. uh there was something so familiar about the goofy way that they were trying to figure out where to go in this round okay fine yeah. cool maybe ghostbusters um so jeff goldblum when he inhaled <laughs> the gas so that they could yeah. see the aliens the oh. <laughs> his face he hails the gas he turns around sees the alien he's like he turns around he's like he looks at it he's like okay his whole the whole acting bit of him inhaling the gas was phenomenal (laughs) very good 
I have some more. Do you want to? Yeah, do no, one? go, no, keep, keep going. Whatever there was a got. point where there's an alien just eating ruffles. I, I don't know if it was John Big Boutte eating ruffles, <laughs> but there's an alien just eating chips, <laughs> which really cracked me up. Um, I oh, time cop made it. Abby, Abby, they're driving into the brick wall. Yeah, time this cop. is why. Oh That's why we, we 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 did time cop, and we're like, why are they driving through a brick wall? Oh. What is the meaning of this? And we're trying to figure out. It's a reference to Buckaroo Bonsai. Oh I can't God. believe it. I can't believe it. As soon as we saw the flashback with the brick wall, I was like. Oh my so, god! So time cop. Now that means we can reassess the t- the science and time cop, and we can say that they went. What they did was they actually had an oscillation overthruster. They were able to move through matter to go down into the sub um, nuclear dimensions, where we have the eighth dimension, which is another dimension of time, which allowed them to move through the dimension of time to go back in time. Time cop. Oh my god. Who would have thought Buckaroo Banzai would make us be able to explain the science of time cop? We need to put a public service announcement. Hello, we're coming to you live. We have to reassess the science in time cop through the lens of Buckaroo Banzai. You, and you'll up our to, rating. You'll have to do like a little uh, an interjection. You'll have to add audio into the. Uh, you have to re-upload the time cop audio and add a little ding 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 in and just say, please pause here. Go watch. Go listen to our episode on Buckaroo Banzai and then return. Yeah. <laughs> For the science of time cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be time cop. The director's cut. Yeah. I'm actually thinking about it now, just to be like, uh, just to fade the voices and be like. Yeah, Frida here. <laughs> yeah, just to go over so. the voices, if I have time. Um, what other funny bits? Yeah, the naked aliens again in the beginning. I was like, oh, naked aliens again. But then they went and put on clothes, didn't they? So they had individuals with aliens and clothing. John Parker, the fact that he like yeah. had his individualistic style, he's like, I think I'll be like those people because yeah. yes, if aliens are intelligent enough to be a threat, they're gonna have a bit of, a, they're gonna have a personal style, <laughs> they're gonna have a preference, they're gonna have yeah. something they like, and he picked a Rastafarian, so um, QED. Uh, is there anything else? Um, I love the the music at the beginning, the uh, the music like the. It was like this amazing public service announcement music, to be perfectly honest. Like the way it was just awesome. Um, And that is a girl named John. Aliens, a nuclear war, a girl named John. That's the president freaking out. (laughs) Oh, the whole president thing was just so fucking weird. It was like, why am I watching... The president being—it's just I know. oh my god, so funny um, though. That's all my best bits before what the fucks. I I just have the and because we have to talk about it. The ending, the ending, the music video ending is glorious. I watch yeah, it over it, and over again. So many I've, times. It's on YouTube. I've just I've just got an do you know what the great thing about it is? Did did you what? did you come across this or hear this about how that at the time they were filming it, the music I wasn't just, ready. So yeah. they rec- they did it to Uptown Girl. Uptown and have Girl. you have you watched the YouTube 
version of it with no. them walking with Uptown Girl playing. It's very on cool. my to-do list. Up. Yeah. Um, that 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 it, the rope that he throws and the abseil down the side. The fact that he comes down yep. abseiling. The fact that um, he zooms in on his feet as he does a little yeah. skip. The fact that Rawhide gives him a little handshake because he's come back to life and they're all happy to be together. The 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 oh. dorky grit. The the dork walk of Jeff Goldblum and he's so happy to be there. Grin. <laughs> yeah. it, the double the double belts. The little. Um, yeah. The yeah. little diving shoes, the little diving shoes, yeah. the, the corner turn. Oh, my God. The fact when they all turn the corner, Ellen Barkin coming in that unbelievable yeah. strut. Like she's the – I mean, her skin is, by the way, a whole character yeah. in of itself. Um, that that was so – it's so good and I just want to do that. I just want to do it. Yeah. I just want to do that. I want to go into some damn thing, whatever that thing is, some damn, and I want to fill that so <laughs> yeah. badly I, and so badly and I want to I – mean, yeah, perfect, perfect Tommy perfect, coming in shirtless. Perfect Tommy. And then he has clothes in the next <laughs> shot, by the way. Like he's – Yeah, I know. Um, and, but it's, the way that John Parker comes in and it has a doom, yeah. doom, when he comes in, it has a little doom, doom, and he comes in with his insane, amazing outfit. Yeah. I, I've, yeah, I've watched it about 30 times. It's so good. It's just, and the thing about it, I think this is the thing, and this is the trick with this entire movie, with the entire of Book Rubanzo, with the Hong Kong Cavaliers. It's the fact that every person that they cast was fucking cool. If yes. any one of them wasn't cool, even Goldblum in his nerdiness, like he was he was nerdy, awkward, kind of cool with them. It was like, you know, he was just he was a bit dorky and like you said, just so happy to be there and be a part of the gang. But like it's it's just any one of a misstep in the casting of all those characters would have just made it so high and ridiculous. But because they were perfect Tommy, like they're all just they're all unreal. Yeah, uh, all of them. Are I just admire like, them. Yeah, you admire them, and that to me, by the way, like I can see how Guardians of the Galaxy is also heavily referencing this too. And I, and I think for me, my, a lot of my things because I don't like them all that much. I don't really. Yeah. I'm not loving them. You know, it's like I think they're a bit dorky. I think they're a bit dorks. Yeah. <laughs> but these guys, I want to be them, and I think that's the yeah. key with superhero films. If you don't want to be the characters, then well, what do you I have want to aspire to? Be to? I want to be Buckaroo Banzai. I even want to be Buckaroo Banzai in the panel scene. I I'm going to make to be plans. him wearing the red glasses. Yeah. I want to bow tie. I'm, I'm make, <laughs> I ready making wanted. plans about how I can be more like him. I'm like racking <laughs> yes. my brain. I'm like, how can I get closer to that goal? Like, I need to publish a book. I have to like release music. Like, I got to, I got to up my game, man. Like, there's goals that I have to fulfill. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> do more jazz panese. <laughs> you mean movie soup club? I know all my ideas are just fall flat. Nobody comes. Just me and Harry. I would come, but like I don't live there, so. You say Art. that, but I'm telling you, no one comes to my ideas. They're too specific. Frida, I of course. Well, listen, I like a specific. I like a weird. I'm like, listen, so weird. I do, if you I don't do sci-fi, know, I do sci-fi Tuesdays, yeah. but like at least I, it's, it's dinner is just whatever new recipe I want to try. Not soup. Not soup. I have no. a soup book. I don't even feel that strongly about soup. Okay. You know? 
right, let's come if... back. We can go back to soup another time. Let's let's move let's move on. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's finish this episode before we before we get caught up in a soup discussion. All right. Okay. So what the fuck? We're at our we're at our what the fuck moment. All right. Let's finally, go. Finally. Okay. What the what the what the fuck? Frida, what is Four. your what the fuck? One, two, you three. You have I've four. Okay, I've got two. No, I, I've, the other one's been said, so I've got three okay. left. All right, I've got two. I just have a line that I just want to pick out that I just think is hilarious. Tell so me. this isn't my main what the fuck. Um, this, <laughs> it's just it's just hilarious, but it's also like oh my god, guys, seriously. Uh, there's that line. He walks into like whatever whatever part of the bus where they've got like the radio people like monitoring stuff, and uh, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> They ask Buck Rubanze, is everything okay with the alien spacecraft from Planet 10 or should we just go ahead and destroy Russia? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, b- b- brilliant. <laughs> yes on one, yes no on one, two. No on two. Which one? Which is it? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, which one was two? The, <laughs> the fact that they could throw that in there. It's so... It's so uh, oh. It puts... Um, it puts uh, str- strange love to shame, if I'm being honest. Like, the... the the, the fact that they managed to throw in so much brilliance and those jokes yeah. in the context of this film. And, and, and meanwhile, Dr. Strangelove made an entire movie just out of that idea. The, yeah. This movie is insane. It's so ambitious. <laughs> exactly. Uh, give me, give me, give me some of yours. How did the fuck did he get out of his cell? Like what kind of asylum was this? Firstly, he's in the asylum and he's oh. got access to all these weapons and things, but he just walks out. He's just like, I'm leaving. And then he just leaves and he kills. Like, so I just, what the fuck was that? I guess lacks security in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Give me another one. Yeah. So there's this scene where they're like going past back of the hotel, but there's just a, a, a bellboy just like cornering a maid. You just see yes, the scene yeah. of like a. I thought yeah, he was of, protecting her because the electrodes ran past. I thought he was just no, like no. that. They were like, he was just, oh. <laughs> he was just the middle of cornering her, and they just were, you know, as 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 they as it happens, as that's okay. what happens in the in in the back <laughs> the first, hall of hotels. The first time I watched it, I missed the line where they said about that there was a motorcycle convention on the way in. So when I watched, I missed that line. So when the guy comes in with the motorbike, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why is there a fucking motorbike? Oh, oh the slow lap of the Harley Davidson ad. The fact oh, that he yeah. bothers to give a very slow lap so we can see every angle of the Harley Davidson before driving out. <laughs> the, 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 that's, that's something which I've seen in other things, that trope of just going through the back things and seeing like mm. people corner people in it's it's a really tropey actually in Mad Men the episode where they have to climb up 23 flights of stairs because it's a joke whatever it's a great episode one as they're walking by they also walk by like some guy cornering a secretary in the in the stairwell oh. it's like there's I see that's a that's a very good trope yeah. like what happens in the back of of stuff yeah, yeah. um that, that, yeah that Harley Davidson that was actually one of my what the fuck that was my next oh. one. Oh, okay is that that's it, it. All right, this I is my reckon. one. This is my That's main it. one. Yeah, go. She's your dead wife's twin sister. What are you doing? Stop. <sighs> yeah. Um, I'm just trying <laughs> to look out. Are you, try- you trying to look out for your dead wife's little sister or are you trying to just continue, like, r- continue your relationship through this woman? 
It's not um, little sister. It's twin sister. Twin sister. Twin sister. We can just go ahead and segue Penny into and final Peggy. verdicts. Yeah, yeah. Penny and Peggy. So, so Peggy died. So what we learn is, and this is all part of that whole like the the story that we don't get, like the interjecting as if like you know if this was an episode of the A Team or something, then you would have because you know his his wife was murdered and and the culprit was never caught. So then the next episode would be like him catching the guy who murdered his wife sort of thing you don't you know so those, those crime shows always have that kind of throwback thing but yeah it's like it's just the whole kind of like taking care of penny great but then at the end when they hook up it's like no because that's basically your she looks exactly like your dead wife what are you doing i know so uncomfortable so yeah so let's let's go into um I, I figured you might well, that's why I left this to the last bit because I thought because I know you, you want to talk about Ellen Barkin so let's talk about Ellen Barkin before we talk about it, I, I, I'm sure you'll have comments and stuff but I do just want to say she is beautiful and she is but I, I really enjoyed her I do think she's I great I love Ellen Barkin yeah oh my god she's so cool she's very cool yeah but but okay the degradation of her character was so out of line and I think about um Ghostbusters when Sigourney Weaver's character is elevated as a goddess you know instead of degrading and humiliating her they made her into a goddess and it's fucking fantastic the just just ongoing humiliation of her the actress it's not just the character why is she there why is she necessary to the plot apart to show that he's irresistible to women fine you know, to hold the MacGuffin fine, but she is there on this ongoing joke of her humiliation. And it's, it's horrifying. It's like when, when they, when you first see her in that outfit and you're like, why, you know, she's using time to tie up an outfit and you're like, what, what's up with this outfit? And then the next time you see her, it's because she's got her legs apart and, and you're like, okay, well, that's why they put yeah. her in that costume with a ball gag. And actually in that first scene, my mind started going, Am I dirty or is this joke on sadomasochism? No, is that what yeah, that... I mean, it is. Yeah, it and I was like, yeah. maybe I'm just dirty. And because there was even like a, a gas mask, which was all black. It looked like a gimp mask. And I thought maybe, you know, this is just me and I'm overreacting. But it, no, it just no, got yeah, worse it's... and worse yeah, until yeah, she yeah. was lying there with her legs and the, and the slow padding up on her incredible legs yeah. as she's being tied down. And then a slow, slimy thing coming yes. into her mouth to kill her. It yeah. was so disgusting. I couldn't get past it, actually. I thought, how is this allowed to just put this actress in this position? I how think, is this okay? Like, it's I, so horrifying. I think, uh, like, I think I agree with you, um, but I don't think it affects me as much as it as the reaction that you're having to it. And I think the only reason for that is because I've just become so not desensitized, but because we've done so and we've had these conversations all the time that any time I watch a movie from like eras gone by from anything mm. pre like the last maybe six years, anytime I watch a movie from that era now, I already just suspend that that idea in my head because I'm like, this was a different time. There was a different approach to women in film. It doesn't mean that it's OK, but it's just like this is just how movies were made back then. And mm. if I, I will never be able to enjoy or appreciate any of these movies if I look at it with the lens of today. In in, in like I just, if that movie I was understand. made now, I think I would have the same 
level of reaction made now and i would just have no appreciation for the movie yeah um as a result of it but i wreck but just because i'm just like look i hear you i do hear you, know. you. i think that for example Starship Troopers. And the fact that there's a B-grade element to the movie means it didn't have mainstream appeal and it wasn't trying to do mainstream appeal automatically means yeah. they can be worse, unfortunately. Um, I, I think about Starship Troopers, which was the same thing. There's a B-grade element to Starship Troopers so they can have nudity, but they didn't degrade her like they degraded yeah. Ellen Barkin. And that's to me, there's, there's, she can be sexy. She can be a help. All, this, all the tropes of having a sexy woman... Um, yeah. And to be saved are all you can do that without degrading and humiliating her the way they did. And I think that that degradation is sometimes reserved for female comedians. I think female comedians, comedic actresses specifically do endure a specific kind of like degradation and humiliation that maybe dramatic actresses might get the run of the mill sexism. Obviously Sigourney Weaver, we complained to, you know, the way that she was being harassed by Bill Murray, you know, but that was, but this come on, I mean, this was fucked i mean she had a leg it was just disgusting the way yeah. she was on that i mean it was so so bad ellen barkett i mean poor thing i can't i just yeah. felt sad i just felt bad that she had to endure that as a, as a person anyways yeah that's just i just ew ick okay well that's all all right, let's okay. go to the next question. Does All it right, pass? so does it pass this? Uh, yeah, so, um, okay, so the does it pass the Sam's test? No, it doesn't pass the Sam's test. Uh, Ellen Barkin is the only female character um, in the movie. I think there's like one alien that's a female. Um, yeah, yeah, but, the, the, uh, the, the high priestess. But yeah, that's, that's pretty, and then, and then there's the like the administrator secretary woman at um, the institute, but like, no, I mean, the there's journalist. no, it doesn't, it doesn't pass the Sam's test. And, and they could, like any one of those Hong Kong Cavaliers could be women. You know, you could make this movie now and have, and have that collection, you know, a mm. modern twist on it, which would be pretty cool actually. They had a lot of genderqueer people. I did notice this. In in the mm. scene with the concert, there was so many genderqueer people there. And I, I yeah. love that. No big deal. I really appreciated that, though. Yeah. Um, so did it pass the science? You know what, Abby? Like, I'm going <laughs> to give it a yes. I have to give oh, it a yes did. because all the work you did. Like, I can't believe on top of everything the film accomplishes, it also manages to give us to pass the Here Comes the Science test without being right? braggy about it. It doesn't brag about it. It's like a... It, yeah. It just, it's just there. Everything is just there in the background. You don't need it to watch the movie. You can watch the movie and appreciate it. But if you do watch the movie and you just go like, you might have an, if you don't know, you might have that reaction of going like, eighth dimension, what? But then you go and you look into it and you're like, oh my God, there is actually yeah. reasoning for this. And that's what I appreciate about it. It's not over explained during it. But if you want no. to go and figure it out and read up about it, you will see that there is an explanation for why everything is done the way yeah. it is. And that's fucking beautiful to me. That's Absolute what we beautiful. want. That's what yeah. we want. Exactly. Because it's not a big deal. I didn't need it. They yeah. didn't make it central. But that's awesome. So I think I have to give it a really high score. What are you going <gasps> to give it? No, I want to know your score first. I'm going to give 4.7 and I'm just taking <gasps> off 0.3 because I think I don't want to penalize it so much, but I just think that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not going to like 
score it because it's my favorite movie but i think in terms of what it accomplishes is in the scope of our podcast that it deserves a really yeah. high ranking in our you're right canon. you're right what you're about right, you right. yeah 4.5 what about right. yeah 4.5 amazing cool all right i've got the next movie that's it it was so good i am I'm excited so, i've just so yeah so that was buckaroo banzai uh, the adventures of buckaroo banzai across the eighth dimension and I am so impressed by that movie and my brain will explode probably for a long time and I'll rewatch it many, 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 many more times. I want to it. Yeah. So, but Frida, what is your next movie? Can't wait. Super excited. The next movie we're going to do is The Abyss. Hey! I'm really excited. Amazing. I love okay. the movie because it packs an emotional yeah. punch, which is serious, but it also gives us an opportunity to discuss James Cameron because of the thing that happened in the news. So I thought, and I, and I wanted to do go away to a new topic because we've done like a lot of, so let's go back underwater. Can't wait. So yeah, that'll be abyss. Yay. I'm really happy with that because I've, I've, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because I've been trying, I've tried to watch a few aside from the abysses you know it's always there but there's a few other movies that i've watched that are kind of underwater to be a bit like oh what could we do more kind of going into the ocean um or just into a different kind of environment sort of thing yeah but uh, yeah yeah it'll be great awesome all right so the next movie will be the abyss so that'll be out in two weeks time um we are currently running our mini series which is um is it so bad it's good and uh, in a minute, we're going to record some of them and find out what the answer to one of those questions are. <laughs> um, and I think I already know what the answer to a couple of those fucking questions are anyway, from my perspective. So, <laughs> so the next one is Rollerball. That'll be next week. Um, please do give us a rating. Uh, subscribe on whatever podca- podcast player that you're listening to. Check us out on TikTok. You can also, we do record the, when we record the episodes, we record them live on TikTok. Uh, we do them on sunday mornings at 9 a.m my time uk time that would be what is that currently in australia 6 p.m 6 p.m um australian time so yeah if you want to follow along you can you can find us on tiktok and you can watch us record them live uh thank you for listening get in contact with us if you have any recommendations or any uh comments or any questions and yeah i keep saying this like we can make video descriptions for TikTok explaining some more like science stuff or if there's things that people want to learn more about or questions people have but you just got to send them to us so thanks bye thanks bye